episode 865. The Green Bay Packers have parted ways with Don Barclay, but first we take stock of the team at the bye with Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're taking stock of the team at the bye. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com as we are every Wednesday during the season. Nathan, how you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. Glad to have you on the show. As always, we're taking stock of the team at the bye. Nathan, through the past two weeks, is there anything we can say Brett Hundley is doing particularly good or particularly poorly at, which I know is not easy considering the criticism of the game plan this last week, limiting Hundley's effectiveness, and we've basically still got a pretty small sample size to work off of. Uh, Yeah, I think starting with something uh, notably good, I think uh, he's been doing a good job of avoiding mistakes when he's under pressure. Um, He threw away four passes when under pressure so far, and that's actually something that Rodgers, when he was under pressure, he was throwing the ball away more than usual, too. So I don't know if that's a result of the offensive line problems or if they've been uh, coaching the quarterbacks to throw the ball away more, but uh, that's been something noticeable. And then also uh, on the short passes, on passes behind the line of scrimmage, uh, both to the middle of the field and to the right, uh, those are areas that he's been most successful at so far. I think it's been when he's trying to make something happen, even when there's no pressure, um, throwing deeper passes as well, uh, that's when he's had more mistakes so far, thrown more interceptions. So I think as long as the Packers are in games where they either have a lead or are staying close and they don't need Hunley to win the game, I think they're in a good situation where I think when they would need to ask Hunley to win the game for them, I think that's when they might run into some trouble. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Nathan, what what facet of Aaron Jones' talent stands out the most since we've begun to see him in the regular season? He's obviously done well for about the past three and a half, four games or so, however you want to break that down. Uh, Yeah, he's been doing a good job running the ball, uh, especially finding the right place to make his first cut and then uh, that getting him into more open space. So I think he's been doing a good job at the start of his runs, which is helping him with the rest of his run as well uh, because he's in a better area. He's able to make players miss tackles on him a bit more frequently than what Ty Montgomery was doing. So um, so far it's really just been running the ball that he's been a threat. Um, he hasn't really been much of a receiver out of the backfield so far. Um, luckily when he's been asked to pass protect, he's been just fine. But um, so far, where he's shined is definitely running the ball and especially the start of his runs, making that cut. Yeah, he's done a really good job, I think. Uh, Nathan, the contributions of Lance Kendricks have been rather modest so far after being an, a notable you know, free agent signing the Packers made this past offseason. Considering the relatively poor Mar- 
play uh, uh, from Martellus Bennett the start of the season. Should the Packers try to get Kendricks more heavily involved? I, I don't know if that means taking one off the field and putting the other in, or what uh, What are your opinions? Uh, yeah, he's definitely an interesting player. Um, his playing time has actually decreased recently. Um, just 20 snaps over these last two games where uh, in week one he alone he had more than 20 snaps. Um, throughout his career, he's been known more as a blocker than a receiver, which has been interesting this year since he's had a couple of nice catches, which I'm um, a little unexpected, where he hasn't really had much of an impact on the run game so far. So um, I, I don't think he probably deserves too much more playing time since even though Bennett has disappointed as a receiver so far, he's still doing a nice job as a run blocker. So um, even though it's a part of the game that um, everyone can see him dropping a pass or uh, not getting thrown the ball very often, he is doing a good job as a run blocker. And Kendrick's actually where he's made his biggest impact so far is on special teams. He's been graded out as uh, one of the Packers' best special teams players so far, uh, taking out the kickers and punters. So um, I think the Packers can continue what they're doing at tight end, uh, continue to give Bennett the majority of the time since if you take his entire career into account, he should be able to bounce back where I think Kendricks has his role as an occasional blocker and special teams player, and I think that works fine. Yeah, I can't remember what game it was. If it was this game or two games ago, Lance Kendricks made a beautiful tackle on punt coverage. That was maybe the best we've seen all season out of the Packers. So that's that's been a pleasant surprise. Um, Nathan, I've been rather critical of Justin McCray this season, but I thought he played well this past week at Laugh Guard. Can you compare how he's done at guard as opposed to tackle? I would say he played better at guard this past week than he played at left tackle the week before, and it's probably about the same as he was doing at right tackle earlier in the season. Um, he wasn't allowing pressure as consistently as he was, uh, which was good to see. Um, he was still a little um, unreliable as a run blocker, but at least he wasn't consistently giving up pressure like he was against, in the game against the Vikings. Um, he still didn't grade out all that well, so unfortunately I don't have a lot of good things to say about him outside of he played a little bit better than his game against the Vikings but to be fair to him he's been asked to play three different positions across the offensive line uh, going back and forth between some of them and this is his first season with any regular season action so that is asking a lot of a player to play that many different positions on the offensive line over a short period of time. Yeah, that's fair, and uh, spent most of the preseason playing center as well. So <laughs> when you take that into account, it's even more, um, you know, tougher on on McRae. So we'll give him that. Uh, we're talking to Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, uh, fill in the blank for me. Uh, Blake Martinez is having the best season for a Packers inside linebacker since... Blank. I'd go with Desmond Bishop in 2010. Um, I think Bishop had a great season that year. I think Martinez this year so far has been more dominant against the run, but I think Bishop had a better year in coverage that year. Uh, Martinez at the moment is still a top three among all inside linebackers in the league and run stops and run stop percentage. Um, and then coverage, while he's not playing excellent there, he's still playing very well against in coverage. So um, I also found it interesting that 
Uh, right now, we have him graded out as an 85.2 against the run, which is very good for an inside linebacker. And uh, we've been grading since 2006, and no Packers inside linebacker uh, has hit that mark over the course of the entire season. But the top three uh, seasons for Packers over the entire season are all Nick Barnett um, in 2006 to 2010 range. So I think if you want to compare Martinez to a player, Nick Barnett is probably the best comparison of someone who was very good against the run and then decent in coverage as well. Yeah, that's that's some good praise there for Blake Martinez. If he just continues to improve, wow, um, what kind of it makes me think like, wow, how, how much more can he improve? Um, but Nathan, uh, we have a question from a listener uh, that I'm curious to find out as well. Uh, John, uh, who joins us on our, our live blog during the show, he asked, what, what is Kevin King's rating when he plays off the line of scrimmage as opposed to when he's on the line of scrimmage? So far this season, he's been a bit better when he's been on the line of scrimmage. Um, when he's been on the line of scrimmage, he's been doing a better job at preventing some catches. I'm allowing just a 50% catch rate when he's on the line of scrimmage. Um, when he has a lot of catch there, it's typically been for a bigger game, so it's been a little bit of high-risk, high-reward there, where when he's been off the line of scrimmage, he's been allowing a 77% catch rate, so allowing a lot more passes. Um, the yards per attempt is a little bit lower when he's been off coverage, but um, just having him allow so many fewer catches when on the line of scrimmage is definitely notable there. I'm also allowed a touchdown win in off coverage as well. So um, it's also notable that the rest of the Packers cornerbacks as a group have typically been better off the line of scrimmage compared to on the line of scrimmage. So I think whenever the Packers have a matchup the rest of the year where uh, there's a wide receiver that struggles in press coverage, I think King is probably the guy that should be on him. Yeah, wow. Uh, interesting thought there. Um, sticking in the secondary, Nathan, how much has HaHa Clinton Dix dropped off compared to last year? I, I think it's been notable. Yeah, I'll start with coverage where I don't think there's been a huge drop-off. Uh, he's still been doing a good job at preventing uh, catches from receivers. He hasn't allowed that many yards. Um, he's on pace to allow fewer yards this season than he has the past couple. Um, the big difference in coverage is he only has one interception this year where I believe he had five last year. So um, if you take interceptions out of it, he's been doing the same in coverage, but he just hasn't been picking off as many balls. Um, I think the big difference is in run defense where um, he w was making a lot of plays um, as a run defender, making tackles for losses, other tackles for short gains, where uh, those have been a lot more rare this season. I think that's at least in part of it based on how the Packers have been playing their safeties uh, he has been lining up less frequently uh, close to the line of scrimmage or uh, within eight or so yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, that hasn't been happening as often, and that's when he was typically making his plays last year. So um, I think part of it's just by scheme, but um, I think I don't think he's been a liability to the team whatsoever this year. Uh, he just hasn't been the playmaker that he has been in the past two seasons or so. Yeah, uh, I'll give him that, that he's, you know, he hasn't really given up any big plays or any big touchdowns over his head or anything like that. 
Um, but uh, would definitely like to see better play out of him against the run in the tackling department. Uh, Nathan, final question before we let you go. I'd like to know how Demarius Randall has graded out the past three weeks, which represents the time period since he was sent to the locker room in the Bears game. We all know he has three interceptions in as many games, but it seems to me he's given up fewer receptions, and those he has given up haven't been very big games. Uh, yeah, all of that's true. He's been playing better these past couple weeks compared to earlier in the season. Um, just, he was allowing two to four catches per game early in the season, and then over the last three weeks combined, he's allowed just five catches on nine targets. So it's been just one to two catches per game. Um, just 79 yards allowed total over the last three games, and uh, in the Falcons game alone, he allowed more yards than that. So uh, definitely hasn't been allowing as much and has the three interceptions to go as well. So um, definitely playing better. Um, over the course of his career, we have seen some games out of him where he's been playing excellent, and I don't think we've seen uh, Randall at his best yet over these last three games, but uh, he's definitely been playing more like an average cornerback these couple weeks compared to earlier when he was hurting the team so definitely an improvement (laughs) better than a poor cornerback nathan thank you so much for helping us kind of take stock of the team some of the most notable players at the bye week definitely appreciate it we'll give you the week off next week during the bye so enjoy it enjoy your little bit of time your 10 minutes off per week well you probably spend more time prepping for these answers than that but anyway regardless nathan thank you appreciate it and we'll talk to you again soon yeah sounds good thanks again for having me and talk to you again in two weeks okay take care Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central as he does every Wednesday during the season, except during the bye week. We, we appreciate Nathan so much. We give him a week off during the season, but glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. The news of the day out of Green Bay on Tuesday was that the Packers have parted ways with offensive lineman Don Barclay, who was on injured reserve. This is a player that made 24 starts for the Packers and 62 regular season appearances over the course of his professional career, not counting the postseason. Um, You know, at one point, the Packers could have used Barclay this season, Uh, But that was before the starting offensive line got healthy again. And Justin McCray and Lucas Patrick proved themselves as capable players on the interior of the offensive line, if nowhere else, and and younger options as well. Uh, Not that Don Barclay is over the hill yet, but still, uh, they're getting younger. and, And I think guys who are probably, you know, Patrick and McCray both, you know, not not rookies, and they're just starting to, you know, come into their own and, and, and reach their peak as players. Um, there is a little bit of information no one from the organization has addressed, and it's that Barclay was actually able to practice this past week um, prior to the, the Week 7 game, and he didn't. Um, he, he wasn't eligible to play. But remember, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going through the same thing here. He can practice after six weeks and play after eight weeks. 
So why Don Barclay didn't practice this past week, we're kind of left to fill in the blanks on our own. Uh, Maybe he wasn't fully recovered from the ankle injury he suffered during the preseason, or or maybe the writing was on the wall. Um, I've seen it suggested on social media that maybe he even asked for the release. We don't know until he or somebody comments on that. I don't know if anybody ever will. Um, but but there is a little bit of uncertainty there. Um, but but regardless here, I, I think you start to understand why the Packers released him when you look at the situation they're faced with. The team can activate two players per season from injured reserve. Every team in the NFL can, and the Packers haven't activated anybody yet. Um, and, and they no longer have to designate who those players will be ahead of time like they had to a few years ago. That was a rule in the NFL that's since gone away. Um, But uh, assuming the Packers keep open one roster spot for Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's a safe assumption at this point, at, at least until he proves he can't possibly come back, you know, the Packers can only activate one offensive lineman from a group including Don Barclay, Jason Spriggs, and Kyle Murphy. And, and there's a few more guys on, on injured reserve that, you know, maybe the, the casual fan might not even be aware of, like cornerback Herb Waters. Uh, in the back of your mind, you're like, boy, if he's getting healthy by now, he might be able to help the secondary. But if, if I had to guess, I think Jason Spriggs will be that player the, the other player in addition to Aaron Rodgers who will come off injured reserve. I think the Packers are hoping the hamstring injury that Spriggs was dealing with was the cause of his struggles in the preseason. And now that he's healthy, that he's been away for several weeks, he'll be able to help. Uh, he will be eligible to practice after the bye week here and potentially play as early as the Lions game. I don't think the Packers have to activate him prior to the Lions game, um, but I, I'm not sure what the time frame is there in terms of uh, how, how that. I think they get that that three week window there, uh, where you know they can choose to have him start practicing, uh, and once he starts practicing, then they have like a three week window to decide and make a decision and if not then you got to put him on injured reserve for the rest of the year you know Kyle Murphy's going to be a few more weeks than Jason Spriggs yet and I have no clue how really either of them are recovering but just the fact that Spriggs was placed on it earlier the Packers have invested more into him uh he's and he's versatile enough he I mean yeah he's he's ideally a left tackle but you know he had experience at guard last year if need be um just just so that I mean those all those reasons add up as to why I think Jason Spriggs will be the person so anyway to get back to Don Parkley while while his best asset that he was his versatility you know he was able to play all five positions on the offensive line basically you know his poor play over really the past two seasons was becoming too much to overcome um, before this year, uh, Don Barclay signed a one year contract with the Packers before the season, which included a relatively small $150,000 signing bonus, 
which will still count against the Packers' salary cap this year. They do have to count that. They do have to pay that. That's guaranteed money. Don Barclay's already got a check for that that he probably received, you know, at, shortly after signing uh, his contract. But, but I mean, it, that's not hurting the Packers. That that $150,000 is a drop in a bucket compared to the size of the salary cap. So Don Barclay will become a free agent here. And, um, I mean, thanks for your serv- years of service, Don. Uh, I mean, th- th- there were some good years in the beginning, uh, even if they did – uh, you know, slowly decline o- over the past few. And, and, you know, always a good guy as well. Um, you know, there was and a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he was part of that group that, you know, took part in the, the, the movie that all the offensive linemen were taking part in. What is that? I've even forgotten the name of it now. You, you see how much of a fan of pop culture I am, but, uh, um, thanks Don Barclay. Um, in an unrelated move, the Packers added Max McCaffrey to their practice squad, a familiar face. Um, and it had nothing to do with Don Barclay being released. It wasn't as if McCaffrey took his spot or whatever. Um, basically, I believe this was the spot uh, on the practice squad that was opened up when um, the safety, Jermaine Whitehead, was promoted to the 53-man roster. So they had an open spot. And McCaffrey just so happened to be released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, it appears as if he didn't get any other, um, you know, interest from anywhere in the NFL. And the Packers were happy to have a familiar face back and a guy who played pretty well with them during the preseason. And and actually, uh, you remember last year he was promoted, McCaffrey was, to the 53-man roster during the playoffs, even though he didn't, you know, was not active and didn't play. Uh, It was actually just, you know, uh, rather notable that he was the person that they chose to activate at all. Um, And, yeah, uh, you can kind of look at this through the lens that the Packers are pretty heavy on wide receivers. You know, they already have six on their 53-man roster, not counting like three tight ends. So there's a lot of targets uh, the Packers have at their disposable, disposal right now. In addition to that, there's now three wide receivers on the practice squad. Uh, the Packers have rookies uh, D'Angelo Yancey and Michael Clark, and now Max McCaffrey. So, I mean, if you're counting the practice squad, that's nine wide receivers total. We're we're practically getting to training camp numbers here. Uh, but I can't blame them. You know, uh, you could think, well, the Packers, could they develop another offensive lineman considering all the, the uh, you know, injuries they've had at the position? But then you look at it like, well, they're, they're starting to get healthy now, especially come off, coming off the bye, and they've already got Kofi Amici on the practice squad as well. So do they really need another offensive lineman? Might as well go with someone here who uh, they're familiar, who's familiar with the offense. And and we can at least say now uh, that, uh, you know, Max McCaffrey has regular season experience. While he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he played in five games. And while he only had one catch uh, this season, at least he has that regular season experience. We can say he's he's battle tested now, um, uh, whereas you know previously he had only played in in preseason games in the NFL. Um, so I, I welcome him back, um, and 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I, I don't know who would be the first wide receiver to come off the practice squad if they happen to suffer an injury. Uh, I couldn't, you know, speculate on that at this point. Um, but uh, nice to have Max McCaffrey back, so there you go. Um, it, you know, um, to, to, to discuss the I, – I wanted to address the ha-ha Clinton Dix situation. I made sure to – ask Nathan Yankee uh, his thoughts on it, seeing as, you know, he's part of a website that grades him, you know, play after play and game after game and has good thoughts on it. it you know, ha-ha Clinton Dix, um, I think, is is Nathan Yankee was spot on in, in that it, it's basically been the, the, the biggest drop-off has been the tackling. We kind of knew as a rookie that uh, – Ha ha, Clint Dix. The the biggest mistakes he had as a rookie were tackling as well. Uh, he would drop his head and he would miss his target, and and guys would get behind him. And you kind of, but you you could see the athleticism, and you're like, well, if if he ever, you know, fixes the tackling, he could be a pretty good player. And in 2016, he was. He was a he was a very good tackler last year. And in addition to that, he had five interceptions, uh, albeit some of them on overthrows, and just went. But when he added it all together, it was a good, solid player. Maybe not a Hall of Fame player, but definitely, uh, it, you know, the the play they got out of Haha Clint Dix last year. You look at it like, well, it, it was worth the first round investment. This isn't a bust. Um, and, and I still don't think Haha Clendix is is a bust by any means, but wow, the the regression. I, I mean, what, once a player seems to get over those troubles, that they don't seem to come back, and that's why I'm so baffled. As you know, in the tackling department. Um, but I, I do have to say this as well. Um, it's that Haha Clendix has never been a player that really picks off passes in terms of he's breaking on the football and making a play. Not to say he never has, but if you're now, HaHa Clendix is now in his fourth professional season. If you were to go back to his time at Alabama during his, what was it, three years there? So his four years as a professional, his four years in college, and you look at videotape of every interception he's made in his career, most of them are on overthrows. He He's not a guy who really breaks on the ball. And that, again, not to say he never has. Sure, I think, you know, last year there was a time or two where he had a nice interception. But the ones he is getting, they're on overthrows. And, and so he's... He's not bad in terms of I, I think a lot of times he's he can be close to a person in coverage and he he doesn't frequently let plays go over his head and that's good and I think he has good range but he he just is not a playmaker uh, I don't see that out of him I don't see a guy who frequently forces forced fumbles or things like that either either so but there are still there still is room for haha Clinton Dix to improve here. Um and just something I wanted to address here uh while while we had time and and seemed to be an appropriate place to do so 
during the bye week as we take stock of the team. So there's my thoughts on HaHa Clinton Dix as we move on with the show. The day ahead. There's not a whole lot to say here during um, during the bye week as, as players have now been given the week off. I, I think this is there is a certain amount of time that the NFL collective bargaining agreement requires that the players have off. And I certainly agree with that. It. It's, it's such a brutal sport and, and you know, that there's more than a lot of time next week uh, for them to get back to practice that they deserve, you know, multiple, several days in a row off here. Um, especially considering they did stay in town on Monday and meet and review film and things like that, you know, the day after the game. And the Packers have an extra long week this week. They play on Monday night football, so there's like an extra day for them uh, to get in practice time. So I have no problem with the time they're taking off. But that means, I I mean, I can't really sit here and look so much at at what's going to happen. Uh, Anything that does happen, like somebody getting released, is going to come out of the blue. Uh, the one thing that's happening today on Wednesday, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, but it is kind of cool. Uh, the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame, uh, the team's Hall of Fame, on Wednesday night uh, is having a ticketed event um, and hosting one of their history nights. They do this on a, uh, I'm not sure if it's a regular or semi-regular basis now in which they hold these. Is it a, a monthly thing that they're doing, perhaps? Regardless, uh, the the theme tonight or the title of this their history night is called Growing the Gridiron. And it's taking place from 6 to 9 p.m. It actually requires a ticket. I, I don't think there's anything here which in which you'd be in danger of missing out. I think you just got to... Go to the Packers official website and and buy one, and I think you'll you're fine to get in. Um, but if you happen to live in the greater Green Bay area, uh, or you'll be in the area, um, I, I think it'd be cool. Uh, the the guest they're having tonight is the fields manager for Lambeau Field. His name is Alan Johnson, and uh, here's the quote from the the Packers website. He will. Quote, explain the history of our field and how he and his team keep our unique turf in playing condition, uh, end quote. So uh, that's happening on Wednesday night. I imagine they'll go over the the lighting that, that is held over Lambeau Field that I think is really cool. And, you know, it extends the growing period um, uh, and it allows grass to be growing at a time of year. You know, we're we're basically here in in late October, uh, early November, uh, reaching the time period where where grass stops growing at, at this, you know, this latitude. Um, it's it's starting to become cold enough. You're starting to get frost at night, and the days are becoming shorter, and the sun isn't out as long, and, and that that prevents the grass from growing and the Packers manufacture artificial light via these lamps that they keep on Lambeau field uh, that really does keep it in good shape for, for a grass field in this latitude in an outdoor environment. Uh, The Packers do about as good as they possibly can keeping Lambeau field in good playing shape and, and reinforcing it of course with the, the strands of artificial reinforcement. It, it's a grass field, but it's it's reinforced there uh, to hold it together a little bit more, and I think they do a really good job with that. So 
That would be cool if you're in the greater Green Bay area and could go check that out on a Wednesday evening. And that's all I got. Uh, Like I said, the players are on a bye and uh, nothing really on the horizon here. Even the the talk show that usually happens on WDUZ, you know, Kenny Clark and Demarius Randall take turns hosting a weekly talk show there. I think they even take off for the bye week and they'll be back next week then uh, as they get ready for the Lions. So uh, enjoy the bye week, folks. Sit back and relax and and have a drink for me. Uh, We'll see you later. Uh, We'll be back again one more time uh, coming up on uh, Friday. Already have our guest lined up as we complete the trifecta uh, with the hosts of the Packer Force podcast. We'll have Andrew Sill on the show uh, just like his brothers were before him. And we'll break down the Packers at the bye week uh in about a little less than 48 hours from now so that's what's going on friday on the show we'll see you later folks railbird central typically airs every monday wednesday friday at 8 30 a.m central time that's a live edition of the show podcasted and on demand later in the day we'll see you later i leave you today with a song called on the road by the string cheese incident on Psy fidelity records see ya go pack go